life-altering experiences give meaning to our shared humanity and consciousness. Welcome to Psychic Playdate Podcast. I'm psychic artist Melanie Alberts. Today's New Moon episode is about our suffering and the transformations that can occur only through going through major life challenges. Like many people throughout my life, I've faced numerous trials, including a near-death experience. I've levitated with boundless joy and fell to the ground in pain. Even if I had only one out-of-body experience, that would have been enough to prove to me that consciousness is essential. Reality is mental. To put it metaphorically, all life forms are different facets of the same jewel. You may have heard people say that we rise like waves from the same ocean. We come into a parent form for a short while to eventually re-emerge with universal consciousness. You and I aren't here necessarily to learn anything other than what it means to be human. What it means to be human. It's to be afraid or confident, to be cared for or neglected, to love with energetic abandon or to hate from a place of ignorance to embrace the divine, or to live only for oneself. What are we alive for? Western non-dual philosopher Bernardo Castrop spoke recently about those who embrace this philosophy. He said, you know you are a disassociated complex in the universal mind. All of the insights that you have developed throughout your life will be released into a broader context once you die, and you re-emerge with that broader mind. In essence, your death is like the harvest. It's when you cash in to all those insights you've accumulated. And those insights will endure at a more fundamental level of reality outside time. He continues, we cannot avoid suffering but we can avoid a vacuum of meaning. The greatest ill of humankind today is not that we suffer, but we don't see meaning in our suffering. There is inherent meaning independent of you, whether you see it or not, whether you appreciate it or not, whether you contribute to it or not. There is inherent meaning. I found meaning in my out-of-body and near-death experiences, and this essay is my attempt to relay what I've learned. I hope you like it. Our lives are not our own. Five insights I learned from Universal Consciousness by Melanie Alberts. Remember, we all stumble, every one of us. That's why it's a comfort to go hand in hand. Emily Kimbrough. Ants are all motion, hard to catch. Because they stopped marching together, one, two, one, two, up the side of the house, it was tough to pick one up. Mom cut my fingernails too short to draw blood when I scratch, so I squashed the ant I caught between my finger and thumb and dropped it onto my tongue. I pressed my tongue up to keep it still against the roof of my mouth. When it stopped moving, I crunched it 
but it wasn't sweet. It tasted like a tiny pickle going down my throat. Two more ant snacks later, I turned on the hose and sprayed their brothers away. My story is about how we are connected to all living things, even ants. We share this planet, and once our body ceases to function, our being shares the same fundamental existence, universal consciousness, or for simplicity's sake, spirit. I know this by being in spirit, being led by spirit, and having my life saved by spirit. When I was four in 1966, my big sister Valerie dropped me face down on the sidewalk. At the hospital, doctors put me under anesthesia to stitch my bottom lip. All I recall of the incident was that I watched the procedure from above. The lamps glared down on my body covered with a blue sheet. The sheet covered my face. It had a hole right where my nose and mouth were. Like sitting crisscross applesauce at story time focused on a picture book, I silently observed myself from that impossible angle and height. Recuperating at home, I told my mother what I saw. Mom fixed me in her stare, then laughed it off as another silly thing I made up, like telling stories about people in pictures or eating bugs except it wasn't something I did, I just was. In San Francisco the next year, my sisters and I played swashbucklers with chopsticks at a Chinese restaurant. We devoured sweet and sour chicken and cookies with secret messages inside. Chinatown was my first other cultural experience. My second came right after. Walking to the car, we passed a park. Lolling on the grass was a pack of people who appeared as if they were caught playing dress up in a rag shop, then were thrown out heads first into a meadow of wildflowers. My father looked at them in disgust. Dirty hippies, he hissed. Well, they did look like big kids who missed a week of bath times, but how flat out peaceful they were sprawling out, their faces bathed in sunshine, playing with each other's uncombed hair. I wonder why Dad hated them so much. Valerie whispered, Dad's a square. Hippies were cool, she said. They didn't eat meat or have jobs. I felt sorry for them, as they must have been starving. Here we were, three girls in shiny shoes and smocked front dresses, freshly splattered with sticky orange sauce, wishing we could braid flowers into our sun-streaked hair. Instead, we fought all the way back home, pushing and yelling in the wide back seat over who touched who. Growing up Catholic means adventurous girls have no fun role models except saints like Joan of Arc or Joan of Arc. Joan rode horses, and led men into battle. She paid attention to the voices she heard. Since my sisters rolled their eyes at the thought of playing with me, my voices kept me company. Between the ages of seven and nine, I invented a game I called reincarnation. 
Catholics do not reincarnate, but my dad owned an Edgar Casey book on the subject, and he said it might be true. Dad told us to never, ever talk to Grammy about it. So I acted it out on our front lawn. My air pony and I bravely explored the countryside until we stumbled into a giant hole, hit the bottom, and died. Stunned but able to float about, my play spirit self caught sight of something odd in the hole we fell into. By pulling the handle of a vending machine, which I conveniently imagined against the earthen wall, my spirit got sucked through the earth and came out as a waiting baby on the other side. A beginning for someone else. That's how my game ended. I had formally rejected Catholicism by the time I married Craig in 1992. Our agnostic love nest was a 1970s-era trailer parked in a cow pasture in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains, where dung dodging became second nature. On this farm that we shared with his bohemian mother, I learned a vital truth. All living beings, in essence, are spiritual consciousness. One afternoon, alone and staring out of our dingy dining room window, mellowed by marital problems, I felt my awareness shift. In an instant, it rose up and dashed away, apparently pulled by another unseen energy. Darting between trees at a rapid speed, my awareness halted a dozen feet or so above the body of Bear, my mother-in-law's chow mix, a huge goofy dog who'd been missing for two days. My sight zoomed in like a camera lens to focus on the foam oozing from his muzzle. There was the knowledge of poisoning. I could hear Chris' birdsong and feel the air around me as if it were alive and vibrating. Just as I noted Bear's location in relation to the familiar path down the hillock from my mother-in-law's cabin, my spirit zapped back into my body. Whoa, I gasped. This trip was hyper-real, not a hallucination or a dream. I told Craig and his mother about my out-of-body experience. They exchanged a glance and nodded knowingly. His mother suspected their farm was energetically charged. Craig and I hiked to the spot where I hovered off the path, and there was Bear, exactly as he was when I saw him. I believe Bear's spirit guided me to his body. My suspended awareness felt like me, as the connection to Bear was seamless. He was me, and I was him. The next March, in the same woods where Bear collapsed, I stood by a creek where I would take my own life in despair over my marriage. Sunbeams cut through the canopy of trees where they could. I fell to my knees, then all the way down, dropping my hand wrist-deep into the water. The coldness numbed my skin. I visualized returning with a paring knife to end my existence, but by making that plan, my perception immediately changed. I looked up. A young woman in a cloak stood on the other side of the creek. Through her compassionate smile, I understood that suicide was an extreme solution. My life had meaning. Her smile encouraged me to live. There was no need for words as her presence embodied kindness just for me. 
Vivid colors and vibrations of the air enveloped, enveloped me as I began to cry. I felt a pull towards her, but upon opening my eyes, she was gone. Her message motivated me to push up from the mulchy earth, although no words were spoken. I chose to leave the farm in my unkind marriage over draining myself into the creek. Since then, I've had countless mind-to-mind -mind communications with the dead. I've drawn their portraits and told their stories. I've reconnected mothers with daughters, grandfathers with grandsons, children with grieving parents, suicide experiencers with loved ones who kept asking why. I've received evidence from other mediums that my mother, friends, and even my ex-husband know what's going on in my life, what's important, and I'm grateful for their messages. Our bodies provide the illusion of separation. I've not figured it all out, but these are some insights I've gained. Powerful experiences require letting go of control over the mind, beliefs, and our earthbound bodies. Firmly held concepts like religions, nationalities, and politics polarize us. It is, it is possible to glimpse that at the core of all experience, there is one consciousness we call home. It feels like love. To surrender is not a weakness. Love is no body, no mind, no limits. As I just was aware of my four-year-old self in the operating room, that same eternal awareness led me to Bear's body. It knew my body-mind had more experiences ahead. Dare to be open, open to be guided. The woman by the creek was a guide who aided me when I felt hopeless and intent on ending my life, thus ending all my relationships that required healing. Had I closed my eyes to her message, my story would have ended too soon. There will be experiences I must manage however best I can. Watch your participation in conflicts. From backseat squabbles to world wars, universal consciousness is behind the illusions. As you suffer, so must I suffer. As you forgive, forgiveness frees my spirit. And as you love yourself, so am I loved. Our lives are not our own. Let's hold each other's hands for comfort, for we all stumble sometimes.